Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. I you to remain standing for the reading of the scripture in respect to God's holy word. We're going to be opening a new series for the month of July entitled, as you can see, The Open-Handed Life. It's about a focus on the book of Ecclesiastes. And so we're going to read a middle portion of this book that is probably most familiar to all of you out of chapter 3 of the book of Ecclesiastes. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent. And a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the heart's of humans, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there's nothing better for people to do than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever has, is has already been, and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray together. May your spirit, O God, stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be shaped and transformed into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we gather in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve you faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. If there's ever a time that the church needs to hear its distinctive call in our world today, it is this time that we are in. And so we have chosen to jump into the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a book that fosters the tension that exists between the reality that you and I are here for a specific period of time and then no more. To understand the balance and humility and honor that we do in fact have an opportunity to shape and mold this world, but the reality is it's only for a certain period of time. And when that time is past, our bodies shall all be laid in the ground, dust we were created, to dust we return, and it will continue on throughout So what is the book of Ecclesiastes? The book of Ecclesiastes is the teacher known as the Koheloeth, or the gatherer, making statements. And then there's also an author. And you find the author of the book being separate from the teacher. And you see that lived out in verses 3 through 7 in the opening chapter. 
And then when we get to the end of this book, you'll see especially it's lived out in chapter 12. But the opening words can seem to be discouraging. Uh, if you read in the NIV, it's, uh, NIV translation says, meaningless, meaningless. All of life is meaningless. RSV, I think, says, vanity of vanities, all is vain. But that really doesn't quite capture what the word meaningless is in the Hebrew. The Hebrew word is havel, and it really means vapor. So um, I don't think I have the relighter. Yeah, I do. Good. I'm almost getting prepared for children's sermons again. I have to have all my props together. I'll try not to set anything on fire. Okay, so I just want you to know, I am not doing this the way that I saw one pastor do it, which was really kind of cool. He had a pipe when he did this, and he smoked a pipe, but I probably choked to death trying to smoke a pipe. So when we think about the word Havel, it's like the smoke, right? The vapor. It's there. See it? See it? See it? Uh, where to go? Now it's gone, right? Let's just if you miss that, <laughs> we're gonna catch the smoke this time. You ready? You got it? It's a vapor. I got it, right? I don't have it. There, there it goes. What the writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us is life is like a vapor. Or like the smoke. Is it tangible and is it real? Yes. Can you hold it in your hand? No, you can't. But how many of us go through life and we clutch things? And I would suggest to you that we need to live an open-handed life. Rather than clutching and gathering so tightly. One of the things that I often encourage people to do in times of prayer is we often put our hands down or we'll say, what's the old adage? Hey, kids, we're going to pray. What are you going to do? You what? Put your hands together, right? And bow your head. I like to do it differently. I like to tell them, put their hands open. Because time of prayer would be receiving. It's a posture of your hands that reflects your soul. You have an open hand to receive what God is doing for us. And as we move these next several weeks in the book of Ecclesiastes, we would be well to remember what is its underlying purpose. So Eugene Peterson writes a brilliant introduction to the book of Ecclesiastes, and in part, this is what he says about the book of Ecclesiastes. It is our propensity to go off on our own, trying to be human by our own devices and desires that makes Ecclesiastes necessary reading. That word Ecclesiastes literally means preacher or gatherer. Ecclesiastes sweeps our souls clean of all, of all lifestyle spirituality so that we can be ready for God's visitation revealed in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. Ecclesiastes is a John the Baptist kind of book. It functions not as a meal but as a bath. It is not nourishment. It is cleansing. It is repentance. It is purging. We read Ecclesiastes who get scrubbed clean from the illusion and sentiment, from ideas that are idolatrous and feelings that cloy. Does anybody in this room beside Jim Welch know what the meaning of the word cloy is? Raise your hand. <laughs> right? Cloy, the best word to describe cloy, it means to be overfilled. It's basically what happens when you go hungry to the all-you-can-eat buffet and how you feel at the end. 
right? So, so hear that again, right? All these idolatrous feelings that cloy, the things that sicken us, right? The things of our world that we just stuff ourselves with that have no eternal significance. They just give us indigestion spiritually and in reality. It is an expose and rejection of every arrogant and ignorant. Don't you love that? Every arrogant and ignorant expectation that we can live our lives by ourselves and on our own terms. Whoa. Ecclesiastes is this challenge to you and to me to live an open-handed life. Now, let me give you a few vignettes into this book that lets you know how the flow goes. You're invited at home, or if you're here in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I'm going to read to you a few verses that the quelloweth, or the teacher, lays out to begin. The teacher starts to say, life is like a vapor. Yeah, it's vapor, right? It's vapor. It's here. It's gone. And then this is what the, the teacher says. What do people gain from all their labors? Did you hear that repeated theme in what we read, right? At which they toil under the sun. Verse 4 says, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, and it hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes and ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, and yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. This mystery of life should live us both, leave us both humbled and inspired. Humbled that we are here for a season and a time, but not forever. Inspired that we have the opportunity to make a difference in the world today to choose to support children to go to Chandler, Texas, to learn how to build wheelchair ramps, to help our young kids learn how to put food together and to love their neighbor in feeding. Jim said to me when he came in, he sat down, he says, it's good to be back. He says, I love this church. I do too. It's a great place where we've learned. It's a place that we put flesh on the faith. And so we want to celebrate where we are, but I want to take dead aim at something on July the 4th that's happening in our culture that we must not let continue. And that is, we must change the conversation in our world and never apologize for who we are as people. We should celebrate our diversity. We should celebrate our heritages. That's who we are. And we equally true can be apologetic or repent and have repentance and sorrow for some things that we have done. I don't want to diminish the fact that the best of who we are as humanity and the worst is lived out in how we treat each other. And I am sickened to my soul of social media pitting us against each other, saying that the world is broken and it's unrepairable. It is not true. This world is not broken and unrepairable because there's goodness throughout it. And it's our call, God's call, to lift up the good, to tell the stories of where neighbor loves neighbor, where skin doesn't matter, where we know that all blood runs red, and where we just see another person. It happened on my street last night. There was all from Brazil to Africa Hispanic, African-American, Danish-American. We just gathered. And you know what we are? We were neighbors. We were just people together. 
Now, in the humbling side, this is what is our time, our season, and what God calls us to do to make a change in the world. But my friends, we must seize this moment and we must live faithfully because we will not be here forever. The mountains will be, the streams will be, but our time is fleeting. Let's not waste it. Let's lean into it. Let's embrace it. I want to call you as we move into this John the Baptist type of bathing book of Ecclesiastes 2. I want to call you first in your citizenship. Luther, the, the great uh, theologian that birthed the Protestant Reformation, said you have two citizenships. You have a citizenship in heaven and you have a citizenship in earth. So I'm going to start with the latter of the two. I want to call you first and invite you into that place where you are not apologetic for who you are. You celebrate what you, who you are as God's creation, but we recognize as much as we have achieved the ideals for which this nation is founded, the work is not yet done. And so first, on this day, I want to call you to your knees as citizens of the United States of America. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. We have freedoms in this nation that exist in no other country in the face of this earth. People have shed their blood so that you and I can express the opinions that we have. And we've gotten it right a lot of times and we've gotten it wrong a lot of times. We're going to celebrate where we're getting it right. We're going to lift that up. That's the story that we're going to tell. Because we need to be humbled recognizing that our time is short and it is very sacred. But we're also citizens of the earthly, of the heavenly kingdom, not just an earthly kingdom. You know, we often come to this place of confession, and, and I was in conversation this week with someone in our church about where this sermon was going, and, and really, I wanted to test the idea, and it is so true. Folks, we're an unfinished work. It should be no surprise we're not getting it Right? Right? We're unfinished, that God is still moving, shaping, and molding us into what he desires for us to become. So we come to a time of confession, not because we need to be apologetic for who we were created to be, but because we aspire, birthed out of humility, to be the people that God calls us to be to impact the world. And we come to this holy table where everybody experiences the love of God, where all are welcome this day. So my friends, I invite you now to that that confession that begins with these beautiful words in our liturgy at Holy Communion that Christ our Lord invites to his table. Whose table is it, church? It's his table. It's not a United Methodist table. It's God's table. God makes the invitation, but it comes with this condition. All who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another, so therefore, let's confess our sin, our places that we have failed to fully live into God's intended purpose before God and with one another. Merciful God, 
We confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I invite you to a moment of silent confession. Hear this good news, brothers and sisters, that shatters the silence of our isolation from God, that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. As we come to this table today, my friends, we will return to our common practice of a loaf of bread that is shared together in a common cup into which the elements are dipped. This practice is called intinction. At the end of the liturgy, you'll be invited at the usher's direction to come forward. You'll extend your hand, a portion of the bread will be placed there, then you're invited to dip that portion of the bread into the chalice and consume the elements. If you are more comfortable with individual servings and you need a gluten-free, we have a gluten-free station that'll be directly to my right. Um, This morning, Carol Sloan will be there. And if you're more comfortable, we have individual cups there and an individual portion of bread for you there as well. But know this, regardless of the elements, whether you gather them at home or whether we're gathered here together, it is what they represent in the bread of life in the cup of forgiveness. So let's celebrate that together in the liturgy of the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples, and he said then, as he says today, take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup. He gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples as he gives to you and me today. And he says, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of the bread and of the cup. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world. 
the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. 